shall let you go. He shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor, every woman of her neighbor, jewels of silver, jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants. Isn't that interesting? He still has some prominence there from when, from when his growing up days. And in the sight of the people, and Moses said, and, and I'm sure there is some respect there. Remember, uh, which plague was it? The plague of the hail, where the Egyptians finally, finally start uh, making preparations when Moses says, well, there's another plague coming. And they're finally like, yeah, we're going to believe you. They, 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 they begin to believe Moses here. And Moses said, verse 4, thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I go out into the land of Egypt and all the firstborn... And the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even of the firstborn of the maidservants uh, that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was not none like unto it, like it, nor shall be it any more. But against of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue, how that the Lord doth put, I'm sorry, against man or beast, that ye may know. How that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me and bow down themselves unto me. Get thee out and get the people that follow thee. And after I will go out. And he went from out from Pharaoh in great anger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Let me tell you this. Moses or Pharaoh had hardened long enough that God said, you're done, right? Why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Because Pharaoh already hardened his own heart, right? Just because, listen, just because God knows, it doesn't mean he determines. Foreordinate, you know, pre, uh, uh, because God has an understanding, he has foreknowledge, I could say, it doesn't mean he determines what happens. Pharaoh, listen, Pharaoh determined his fate. Could Pharaoh have repented? Absolutely, absolutely. Did God know he wasn't going to? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. It's not that difficult. And so God knew this. He's not going to repent. And, and Israel is going to see, or Egypt is going to see my power over uh, the Egyptians. Now watch this. So Pharaoh has spoken to Moses for the last time. Uh, Moses has spoken to Pharaoh for the last time. The, obviously it seems here that the word has gotten out. Do you not realize it seems to me that at any point in time, the Egyptians could have gone and seen what the Israelites were doing and copied it. They could have at least asked, so what are you all doing? <laughs> right? So what's with, what's with all these sheep being killed? This is weird. What's with, what's with that, all these branches of hyssop? What's with this, why are you putting blood over your door? What, what are you guys doing? Well, God told us to. Really? Yeah. The God who sent the other nine plagues, the God who wiped out your crops, the God who's wiped out your animals, the God who had, you had piles of rotting frogs and the flies and the lice and the blood of the, of the Nile River, that God, yeah, he's going to destroy all of the firstborn. And he told us to do this. No, friend, this is what we do to the world, don't we? 
Isn't this what we do on a, what we should be doing? Amen. To a world saying, listen, here is what is coming. It's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment, let me tell you what to do about it. You're going to die. But listen, if you would put your faith and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be redeemed. You will be saved. You will be spared from the wrath to come. This is what we do, right? At any time, I would assume, maybe I'm wrong. I, you can fix me here later. That's fine. But I would assume the Egyptians could have done this as well. They didn't. It said not, there was not a house in Egypt. There was not a house in Egypt where somebody did not die. What is this? It was punishment. Punishment for the disobedient. Yeah. For the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what do we see in the Passover? You know this. Many of you in this room have been in, in the Lord for a long time. What is it? It's a picture of the cross. It is a picture of the blood that was coming. The Messiah that was coming. We've talked about this many times before, right? All of the Old Testament, the, 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 the Old Testament saints, they knew, they knew there was a coming Messiah. They knew there was a deliverer coming, right? Moses said, uh, there's going to be a prophet rise up among, uh, like your own brethren, right? Who will deliver you. Uh, 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 I think it was Jacob who said, Shiloh, when Shiloh comes. Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth and shall stand on the earth someday. And he says, and, and though my body decay, right? And it goes into the because, you know, and the worms eat my body. He says, I know that in my flesh I shall see God where on this earth. They knew there was a redeemer coming. When Abraham talked to his son Isaac and Isaac said, Father, you got the wood, you got the fire, where's the lamb? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. 2,000 years later on the very mountains of Moriah, the Lord Jesus Christ was sacrificed. The father brought his own lamb. He brought his own lamb and sacrificed him there. They knew there was a Messiah coming. It was a picture of the coming Lord Jesus Christ. It was a coming, a picture of the blood. And we see this. We see this. It's a gift. It's a gift of God. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is the gift of God. Right? Leviticus 17, I think 11 it is, says the life of the flesh is in the blood. And he says, I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for sin. And we know this, that the life is in the blood. We know that's physically right. right? You know, your, your, your blood, uh, that is where all of the nutrients in your body goes into the stomach. And from the stomach goes into the blood system. The blood system amazingly carries the nutrients to every part of the body that needs what it needs and delivers it there. It's incredible. The life is in the blood. Yeah. A real, you know, the, the belief in that created a real problem for George Washington, didn't it? How many remember what happened to old George? Poor guy. Bloodletting. Yeah, put leeches all over him. You know, they still do that a little bit, right? Some of these natural paths and witch doctors out there still, still do a little bit of that. They had a good, they had a good concept. I mean, what do we, we do blood transfusions, and sometimes they can, you know, you get cancer, and what it is, your blood's a mess, and they try to do things that way. Yeah. The life is in the blood. Listen, when you have the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ applied to your count, you have perfect, eternal life in that blood and that's on your account amen and this is what it was a picture of is there is punishment for the disobedient but watch the other side of that we know this is pardoned for the obedient there is pardon for the obedient there, there have always been those who believe and there have always been those who reject and it's not changing right 
you know, sometimes you can get discouraging when you're soul winning. Yeah. Because you can fall into the trap of saying, well, I mean, we know some are going to believe. But we know many are not going to believe. And, and you can fall into this trap of saying, well, I mean, God knows who's going to believe. So does it really matter if I'm the one to tell them? I mean, isn't somebody going to tell them? I mean, just because I don't show up, just because I don't make it a part of my daily life in some way, just because when a door opened, I don't, I, you know, I kind of shy away from I mean, I mean, goodness, I mean, they're going to believe. There are going to be some that are, are going to believe. God already knows that, obviously. The problem with that mentality we've got to watch is that we are soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know there are soldiers that win a purple heart not because they necessarily save a life, but because they offered up their life in such a way in their duty and things. Yes, it may have saved a life or somebody may have uh, died while they were trying to save them. What, what am I saying is they operated, watch, they operated as a soldier above and beyond all of the other soldiers. We're told, hey, we're told to fight the good fight. We're told, hey, we, we, we are told to endure hardness as a good soldier. Listen, it's not necessarily about, right, finding the exact people, you know, uh, making sure, we, you know, we find the ones who are going to come to Christ. The point bigger, overarching, bigger than that is that we're just a good soldier of Jesus Christ and just do what we're told, right? Yeah. I've said this before. If we, if we come to the attitude of saying, well, I mean, somebody will tell them. What does it say about our character and our heart? That we wouldn't want to be the ones to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and be the ones to tell them. Listen, there are, there are going to be those that believe and there are going to be those that reject, right? There are going to be those that reject the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are going to be those that believe the work and put their faith and trust in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13 of Exodus 12. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I love that song. Great hymn. And the plague shall not be unto you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So watch this. If any of the Israelites were disobedient to the command of God, they would have had the same fate as the Egyptians. They would have been punished for disobedience by what? By a premature death. Now, they could have looked around and said, hey, we're all going to die anyway, right? And God says, no, you're going to die now. <laughs> you're done. So we see here, they, they, could, have, they, they, they could have been disobedient. They could have uh, fallen under the same fate. So the blood was applied around the door. It says here it was going to be a token, a distinguishing mark or a banner, right? A banner. It went over the top of the, of the, of the, top of the, of the lintel. It came down the side post of the door. It was like a, a, a banner over that door that the Bible says the death angel would see it would pass over the house and there would be no death watch that night that night well we know it's appointed unto men once to die right after this the judgment we're all going to die we know that by this time in human history they were well aware that uh, people we we're all going to die but this time here's the problem when death comes the time for decision is over 
You know what I, you know what we pray for the lost. You know what we pray. You know what we pray uh, for for those that are our enemies. We pray that God gives them more life. Why? So He gives them more space to repent. That the mercy of God would show up in their life, and they'd have more time to repent. We see the heart of God. Remember over in Revelation where where Jesus talked about that Jezebel, and He said, "And I gave her space to repent." Aren't you glad? You better be glad for the mercy of God because the mercy of God isn't just for you because you think you're good. We're really no bunch better than that Jezebel who God gave us. He is mercy. His mercy gave us space to repent. Thank the Lord for that. It was a token. It was a distinguishing mark. There wouldn't be any death that night to the firstborn of that house. And so we see here the, the, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? It's been applied to the account of all of those who accepted them as their Savior. When God sees the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, uh, on our record, on our account, we will never experience the wrath of God. The wrath of God, watch, and so because we put the, the blood of Jesus was applied to our account, the wrath of God fell upon Jesus Christ and not us. You realize that's what happened that crucifixion day. You realize that's what happened when Jesus, when he said, I thirst, I thirst, I thirst. What was he saying? Was he really thirsty? Uh, no. Over in the garden he said, Father, if be thy will, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. What was that cup? Well, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hey, he was, he was going to be made sin. He was not sin. Amen. He had to be made that. He put that on himself and became sin. And because he became sin, I said this a few months ago, that because he was made to be sin, the justice of God required that the wrath of God fell upon him. If the wrath of the Father did not fall upon Jesus, God would cease to be just because he would have allowed sin to go unpunished. But listen, thankfully today, we know this, that when that, that sin, that the wrath of the Father fell upon the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, if you do not ever have the blood applied to your account, when you pass from this life, I hope you're listening closely, when you pass from this life without Jesus Christ, that wrath of God will fall upon you. And it will be eternal. Where Jesus said, where the flame is not quenched and their worm dieth not. That word worm there is speaking of their soul. You will exist forever. Listen, we are, we are a body that has a, we are a soul that has a body, not a body with a soul. And listen, one day your soul is going to exist somewhere eternally. You will either exist uh, eternally with God, or you will exist eternally outside of God. You will exist eternally in a place that Jesus called hell, that he spoke of, of a place of fire, a place of torment. Remember, the, the rich man said, I am tormented by this flame. And, and that's not the end of it all, because after that, like being in jail waiting for trial, you will be brought up at the trial at the last day. You'll stand before God to give an account why you rejected the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in Revelation that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And uh, this is the second death, the Bible says. It will be your eternal existence, your eternal abode will be a place of hell. Yeah. Where the, the Bible says of that second death, where the smoke of their torment goeth up day and night. It never goes away. Somebody said one time, well, those are just metaphorical terms. Those are, just, those are metaphors. Those are just descriptions. It's not really hell. Can I tell you this, friend? 
any metaphor, when we use metaphors, metaphors are always weaker than the actual thing. A metaphor is never as strong as the actual event. And if you, you want to say they're metaphors, fine. Fine, but I'll tell you this. Hell is worse than fire forever. Hell is worse than the torment of the smoke going up forever and ever, ever. Hell is worse than weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's worse than that. It's worse than you could even imagine. And you don't have to go. That's the good news. Amen? The gospel. You don't have to go. The blood was applied. Yeah. When God sees the blood of the Lord Jesus on our account, you know what he says? It's that, it's that theological term, justification. We are justified. What does that mean? Well, it means now we have Jesus' record. You don't have to raise your hand, but anybody have a record with the law? Don't raise your hand, please. Right? You stood before the judge, maybe, and they said guilty. You're going to do community service. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Right? You're going to pay for this, you dummy. You're going to do that. And you have a record. Right? If you're over 18, you keep that record forever. That is what, those are the, a record of what? Your actions against the law. We stand before God someday. We'll have a choice of two records. We'll either have our record, which will be every account of every action of the breaking of the law of God. Or watch this. If we've been justified by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood's been applied to our account, we don't have, watch, we don't necessarily have our record cleaned up. We have his record and ours is gone. Do you know what his record is? Not that, watch this, the record of Jesus, it's not that he never sinned. The record of Jesus was that he was never a sinner. That's our record. I love that. That can be your record too. Absolutely. This is what it was picturing. This is what it was seeing, that it was showing that we are not going to be judged for our sins because they've already been judged in Jesus Christ. And if you would accept him, right, you'll get his record as well. Galatians 2.20, the apostle Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the children of Israel, they heard the word of Moses. They believed it enough to put the, put the blood on the door. And when they believed that Jesus, the Lamb of God, when, when you do that, you believe that Jesus, the Lamb of God, is, is the Lamb that God has given and that God accepts the blood. You ask Him to be your Savior. You come to Him believing and uh, that blood will be applied to your record. Your spirit is made alive you're reconciled with your creator, with your heavenly father. Jesus is your elder brother. The Holy Spirit of God is indwelling you. And you are a, we are priests and kings unto God and children of God. What a glorious thing that is. It absolutely is. It's a perfect provision. Yeah. Do you realize all of the provision that the world has in religion isn't enough? Yeah. People, listen, people will bang their head up against the wall trying to please God outside of Jesus Christ. 
They'll live lives of asceticism. They'll, they'll live in caves and they'll live on poles and, and they'll do all sorts of things. Uh, every, every time of the resurrection, uh, either the, when we celebrate the resurrection, you'll see them in the Philippines and you'll see them in parts of the world and, uh, you, you know, uh, torturing themselves and whipping themselves and crucifying somebody and all of these things and always trying to appease God and always trying to appease God. Can I tell you, friend, the only one who could appease the Father is Jesus Christ. You know what happens when you come in Christ? You quit banging your head up against the wall trying to please Him. No, no, don't get me wrong. We, we like to please God, but there's a difference when we're trying to please Him to be accepted for our soul's salvation and then, uh, rather than pleasing Him as a child of God. Totally different. And you know it is because some of you were there at one time. You went through your religion. You went through your catechisms. You went through all of your things, whatever the religion you might have grown up with, which was false, and uh, boy, you talk about the freedom and the liberty when you came to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. It was a perfect provision. It was a planned Passover. So thankful that God made a plan. He had a plan. He was slain from the foundation of the world. Didn't catch him by surprise. Yeah. And we see here finally it's a perpetual practice. A lot of peas this morning. <laughs> perpetual practice. Through the Passover here, the Israelite of the Israelite people, uh, God uh, established a day to pause and to remember what He did for the Israelites. It's a day that was to be perpetually remembered. Don't let this pass over. Okay, don't don't, don't miss this. It was a specific day. I'm troubled when people don't know the day they came to Christ. Right, Brother Earl, yesterday that young man, do you remember? He goes to a large, large, large church that we all know of over here on the interstate, on I-65. I said, do you know the day when you came to Christ? I said, when, when did you become a Christian? He goes, what, remember, what, um, I guess after the day after I was born? I said, really? Yeah. Eventually I said, so when did you believe the gospel? Um well, right. And let me tell you something. Of that church on Highway 65 that's really, really big, this is not abnormal. I run into more people from that church, and they are, uh, remember the one I've told you, the one was assistant pastor there, right? Uh, one of the, uh, several years ago. I mean, I've, I've met more people from that place that said, well, I said, when did you get saved? And, oh, well, boy, huh, boy, I get, huh, I guess, I guess I've always been a Christian. Really? Right. So were you always born when you came into this world? You were always born? <laughs> right? You just have always been a baby? I, you know. I was telling Brother Earl, you know, we were talking yesterday to this young man. Nice young man. I said, the, the problem is, uh, he, doesn't even, he, he doesn't even have... Uh, How do I, he, he doesn't even have the right answers. You know, some people know the gospel and they've been exposed to the gospel and they know, it, you know, they know what it is and they just don't believe it. But man, then there's some that they just don't even know the right answers. And you're like, how do you get this long in a church? 
it not just, listen, I know people will walk out of this place and people are like, how long were you there? And you don't, I mean, it, just, it happens, okay? It happens. But man, you have those that in leadership and pastoral leadership that don't even know the gospel. That's a frightening thing. There, what am I saying? What am I rambling on about now, right? There is a day. The Passover was a specific day in the life of Israel that started back in Egypt. Listen, this was a, we couldn't imagine what it was like to wake up the next morning to the wailing of an entire nation. Because you knew as an Israelite, every, there is one boy in every home of every family in this Egypt that is dead this morning. And they're, and they're wailing about it. it was a, that was a memorable day to them. Can I tell you something? There's nothing more memorable in our life when we woke up one morning and the old man was dead. <laughs> when he got up the next day and it's like, wow, I feel alive. Wow, it's like clean. I didn't know what it was like to feel clean. Wow, what is this? Hey, listen, friend, you don't forget it. You don't forget it. I understand you might not remember the the, the, the specific date or the hour. I love some people do. Brother, 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 uh, uh, Brother Russell Klein, remember, I praise the Lord, asked him before he passed away. And, uh, man, he had a date, a time, an hour, the place. I mean, boom, he just rattled it off. He was so excited. Hey, we may not all, but I'll know this. You know this. You, if you ever got married, you know the day you said, I said, I do. And the day you met Jesus, you knew the day you said, I do. You know it. Amen. It was a day. It was a day. It's a perpetual practice. I'm going to stop here because I'm going to, we're going to be way, I won't be able to finish up this thought here. Thank the Lord for that. Praise the Lord that he had such a plan, the plan of salvation, the plan of the, the, the Passover, of the shed blood, and uh, it's a perpetual thing. You know what I'm thankful? As Israel was, this Passover was perpetual year by year, they were looking forward to the day when it was once for all. Over in Hebrews where Jesus said he sat down at the right hand of the Father after he had, Hebrews chapter 10 I believe it is, after he had offered a sacrifice for sins forever. Sat down at the right hand of, the, of, of, of God on high, I believe it says. Yeah, once for all, once for all. If I'm not mistaken, Catholic Bible moves a comma right there, two words over, and it says, after he'd offered a sacrifice for sins, comma, forever sat down on the right hand of the Father. Yeah. No, he didn't forever sit down. He's coming back. He's going to rule and reign, amen? King Jesus is going to rule from, from the throne of David one of these days, and he's going to reign victorious, and we're going to rule and reign with him. I'm looking forward to that. I hope I, hope I have a little better job than a dog catcher, but you know what? Maybe, maybe I'd have the, uh, the, uh, the thought of David that I'd just be happy to be the, the doorkeeper, right, in the, in, the, in the house of God. I'm just thankful to be there. I am. And, uh, but we're going to rule and reign with him. And he may, it was all because of a plan. It's all because of plan. Do you know that you know that you know that you know in the depths of your soul? Do you know? Do you know that you're right with God? Do you know that the blood has been applied? Do you remember the day? Right? Do you remember the day when you came before God? And I don't. You. You know what? The words aren't even necessarily what matters. Your heart came before you, God, and you just said, "I'm wrong. You're right. I'm lost. I believe what Jesus did." I believe it, I trust it, 
I'm asking for it, and I want it. And you know what we find out? He says, all that come to me, I'll in no wise cast out. Yeah. I'm thankful for that today. Thankful for the blood. And uh, may God help us to get out right? and let a dying world know that you're going to die. <laughs> but listen, there's a provision. There's a perfect provision for you in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and His work. And you need to trust Him. If you haven't trusted Him, do so today. Can I tell you, friend, you, you, are, not, you are not guaranteed tomorrow. You are not guaranteed this afternoon. When we were still, before we came to Nixa, we were members at Berean Baptist Church. We had got out of church that morning and uh, was, you know, did our afternoon thing. Fried chicken and mashed potatoes and might have been something like that that day. Boy, those were the day, huh? Those were the good old days. And uh, the kids would all be at the house and food everywhere and chaos and noise. And just, it was a wonderful time of our life. And... Uh, Got back to church that afternoon, and Brother Carl Ray had passed away in between services. Went home to Jesus. Friend, you're not, you, are not, you are not guaranteed the next hour. You're not. Are you sure? Are you sure that the blood has been applied to your account? If you're not, don't leave today without getting that settled. You're watching online. Don't, don't put it off today. Don't put it off. You need to settle that today. Father, thank you for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the plan of redemption. Thank you that you had it all planned out. And it was a perfect plan. It was a perfect lamb. Thank you for the day. I thank you for that day that you rescued me. That Lord, I finally threw the arms up and, and uh, repentance and said yes. I thank you for that. And I think I would speak for everybody in here that has ever come to that day. And we thank you for that. What a wonderful time. What a wonderful day. We thank you for how you're growing us. Would you, as you conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus, would you help us to allow you to do that today? Pray for the morning service coming up and those that are coming. Would you bless, please? And uh, just do the work that you intend to do. In Jesus' name, amen.